Well, welcome everyone to our Good Friday audio podcast. This podcast is designed for you to do either as an individual or in a small group as a reflective and prayerful way to journey through the message and impact of Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. It is not designed to be rushed, consumed while you're doing a bunch of other things or listened to during a commute or as a soundtrack to some other activity you might be concentrating on. So if that's how you're listening right now, I want to encourage you to stop listening and wait until you've placed yourself into a position of reflection and quiet. For this podcast itself is the activity. And we want to highly encourage you to take 45 minutes out of your day, quieten down your soul and your life, get rid of all other distractions, and take the time to immerse yourself in what follows. The podcast is structured in a way to invite you into times of listening, reflection, journaling, and prayer. There is also some time set aside for you to take communion. And throughout this, we leave space for your own private worship and encounter with Jesus. And our prayer is that in this place of solitude and reflection, you can open yourself afresh to what the Holy Spirit might want to do in your life in this moment. See, this is Good Friday, where the horror and pain of the cross meets the profound mystery of the forgiveness and mercy of God. So may you be unsettled, challenged, comforted, healed, and ministered to as you listen. May we begin in prayer. Jesus, today we pause to remember your sacrificial love that shone light into the darkness, that bore life from such emptiness, that revealed hope out of devastation, that spoke truth through incrimination, that released freedom in spite of imprisonment and brought us forgiveness instead of punishment. O cross of Christ, symbol of divine love and of human injustice, instrument of death and the way of resurrection, sign of obedience and an emblem of betrayal, shine upon us as a church together as we bring ourselves humbly once again to your story. Father, forgive, a poem by Malcolm Goutte. Father, forgive, and so forgiveness flows. Flows from the very wound our hatred makes. Flows through the taunts, the curses, and the blows. Flows through our wasted world, a healing spring. Welling and cleansing, washing all the marks away. The scores and the scars of every wrong. Forgiveness flows to where we need it most right in the pit and smithy of our sin, just where the dreadful nails are driven in, just where our woundedness has done its worst. We know your cry of pain should be a curse, yet turn to you and find we have been blessed. We know not what we do, but heaven knows, for every sin on earth, 
forgiveness flows. Our first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, to chapter 53, verse 12. Just watch my servant blossom, exalted, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. But he didn't begin that way. At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured past recognition. Nations all over the world will be in awe, taken aback, kings shocked into silence when they see him. For what was unheard of, they'll see with their own eyes. What was unthinkable, they'll have right before them. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. He was beaten. He was tortured. But he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, He took it all in silence. Justice miscarried and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin, so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burden of their sins. 
Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honours, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. We want to take a moment to reflect on this amazing passage from Isaiah that we have just heard. We encourage you to have a journal available so you can capture your thoughts as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I am going to read a question for you to reflect on, then leave some space for you to write, journal, and pray. Question 1. What does having a God who suffered a new pain so intimately mean to you in this time of your life? Question 2. Jesus was beaten and tortured, but didn't say a word. He took it all in silence. What anxiety or stress in your life do you desire for Jesus to silence? Question 3. Jesus himself carried the burden of your sin. What current sin are you carrying that drives the nails of the cross deeper and deeper? So as we sit here in the tension of Good Friday, here lies another opportunity to spend a few more moments in reflection as we listen to this song. It's titled True Love, and it's written by author Phil Wickham. 
And this piece is helpful in further guiding our reflection by giving us a few snapshots of what that Friday would have looked like from heaven's perspective. You know, it highlights what the journey of the cross would have been in the grand narrative of scripture while echoing what the cross accomplished for you and for me and for all of creation. So take a moment, take a minute and allow yourself to feel each emotion that the imagery from the lyrics evoke and find yourself there again in that place where you're able to take in all that this Friday is meant to memorialize. Here is True Love by Phil Wickham. We 
Our second reading is a collection of scriptures taken from John chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law. And according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
I get the privilege today to share a few quick thoughts with you on the passages we have just heard and the wonder of what God has done on Easter weekend. When we begin to appreciate what God has done through the cross, not only for us personally and humanity as a whole, but also for the very future of creation itself, we cannot help but be awestruck by his wisdom and power. It is not just a small rescue mission to save the righteous few, but a tour de force to renew and restore the world. There is nothing that in the future of the world that will be left unchanged by this one act. And right there, at the center of it all, is agape love in the work of the cross. It was not just because he loved the world that God sent his son to save the world, but it was by love that it was accomplished. It is here at the cross that the whole nature of God's mighty power is somehow telescoped down into one small insignificant moment in history when a minor Jewish troublemaker is executed on a Roman cross. How can this be? But this moment doesn't just make history. It also makes a future for humanity. God's love is not only about saving the world. In his suffering, he is embracing all those wounded, broken and defeated women and men who have known no justice themselves. It is also for them that Jesus did not come down from the cross, but stayed there in vindication and solidarity with them. It was in the end a supreme act of strength and victory, disguised to the watching world as weakness and defeat. To the Jewish and Roman authorities, it must have seemed like job done, problem solved on Friday night. But Monday morning revealed the true cosmic force of what had really taken place. The good news of the kingdom of God had been released on earth in power. And that same love that overcame darkness began to bring its restoration life throughout the whole world. Let us join together now in prayer. Jesus, our wounded Savior, our broken brother, you were betrayed by a friend and abandoned by most of your followers. On this day, you were tortured and humiliated. Even your father turned his face away from your awful anguish. On this Friday, that was darkness and death for you. On this day that we call Good Friday, we have turned our minds and hearts and spirits to you. It was our sins, my sins, that drove those gruesome nails into your hands and feet. When we heard your gasps for breath, 
in unbearable pain. We knew it was for us. It was for me. As we remember today your slow, excruciating death, we know you were carrying our sins, my sins. You faced the darkness to bring us light. You endured the awful silence and aloneness to bring us hope. You walked through Death Valley to bring us new life. Jesus, you endured that awful Friday for us and for the world, and now today you suffer with us yet again. Our world is wounded by pandemic, by a vicious, invisible virus. Our city of Hong Kong is broken by conflict and grief. We are caught in a storm with no end in sight. We cannot see the way ahead. We have no words. We struggle. We weep. We pray. We have become refugees from hope. We hang our heads in silence and shame. Where can we find asylum? Jesus, Speak into our isolation and helplessness. Show us how to love boldly and creatively once again. Spirit of God, give us words of life and healing and hope. In our doubt and despair, Father, give us new signs of your presence, your purpose, your peace. Thank you that we can, today like Thomas of old, touch our fingers to your wounded hands. Forgive our sins. Heal our brokenness. Speak peace into our conflicts. Dissolve our hatred with your extravagant love. Free us from our addictions. Overwhelm our bitterness with your generosity. Help us become wounded healers who embrace justice and love mercy and walk humbly as your people here in Hong Kong. Jesus, on this Good Friday and in the days to come, help us and help me to become a sign of Easter hope, of resurrection joy. In your powerful name, amen. As a part of our preparation for this podcast, we asked a group of our congregation members, what does Good Friday mean to you personally? The following are their answers. Hi, to me, Good Friday is knowing about being thankful for the pain and sacrifice that Jesus did just to save me. For me, Good Friday is about remembering that throughout the times of tribulations, there is a promised victory in sight. For me, Good Friday is about to pause and reflecting on Jesus' sacrifice his life for us. To me, the way I understand Good Friday is a Christian holiday. Uh, while commemorating 
the crucifixion of Jesus and his death at Calvary. For me, Good Friday is about taking a break from the routine, resting, and remembering how Jesus loved us and died for us on the cross. For me, Good Friday is about holding on to faith and finding hope in the dark time, believing in His promises and His love for us, because He will never fail. For me, Good Friday is about God's love and redemption, that God loves us so much that He sent His own Son to die for us, and for that I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Brother and sister, Good Friday is the most important day for all the Christians because that day Jesus lay in the tomb, arose from the grasp of the dead, and rolled the rock away to open the door away to heaven for all of us who accept him. So we are blessed not by what we do, but by what Christ has done for us. That day, reminding us how Jesus sacrificed for us, now it is our duty to forgive all who offended us and did wrong with us and love each one another like how Jesus loves us unconditionally. God bless you. You have just heard from the congregation. Now what would you say? What does Good Friday mean to you personally? Take a moment to journal or capture down your answer. As you continue to reflect on the work of Good Friday for you personally, open your heart to another poem by Malcolm Goutte. See, as they strip the robe from off his back and spread his arms and nail them to the cross, the dark nails pierce him and the sky turns black and love is firmly fastened onto loss. But here, a pure change happens on this tree. Loss becomes gain, death opens into birth. Here, wounding heals and fastening makes free. Earth breathes in heaven and heaven roots in earth. And here we see the length, the breadth, the height, where love and hatred meet and love stays true. Where sin meets grace and darkness turns to light. We see what love can bear and be and do. And here our Savior calls us to his side. His love is free, his arms are open wide.
brothers and sisters, once again we gather to be the Church of Christ. Let us prepare ourselves to receive Lord's body and blood. In taking of the communion, we are being reminded that Christ is with us as He promised. We declare Christ's redemptive role in our lives through His death and the resurrection. We acknowledge our unity in the body of Christ. Father God, unto whom all hearts be open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us take a moment of silence to confess our sins to our loving God. Christ's cross, the crucifix, is the revelation of the fact that we are loved totally by the one God who knows us through and through. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Now, let us take this bread in our hands and remember what Jesus said. Take. Eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. We are therefore to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made in the Old Testament, was sent from the Father into the world, that He assumed our flesh and blood, that He fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law, that he, although innocent, was condemned to death so that we might be absolved at the judgment seat of God, that he took upon himself the curse due to us so that he might fill us with his blessings, that he humbled himself unto death, even the bitter and the shameful death of the cross, so that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken of him. And finally, that he confirmed with the shedding of his blood the new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation when he said, It is finished. Now, let us drink this cup in our hands and remember what Jesus said. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. We are therefore to believe these promises which Jesus, who is the truth, has given us himself. It is his will that we be the partakers of his body and blood so that he may dwell in us and we in him. For in this communion we share in the infinite goodness of our Savior and are made partakers of all his blessings of life eternal, righteousness and glory. Jesus unites us all in one body. 
So are we to receive this communion in brotherly love, mindful of the communion of saints, as the apostle says, "We are being many, a one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread." Let us take a moment of silence to reflect on the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus, brothers and sisters. Since the Lord has now fed us with His body, let us praise God's holy name with heartfelt thanksgiving. Most righteous God, we remember in this communion the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the world. In the joy of His resurrection and in expectation of His coming again, we offer ourselves to You. As holy and living sacrifices, grant that being joined together in Him, we may attain to the unity of the faith, and grow up in all things into Him, Christ our Lord. Pour on us, O Lord, the Spirit of love, and in Your kindness make those You have nourished by Your body and blood one in mind and heart. May Your healing work, O Lord. Free us from doing evil and lead us to what is right, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our final passage of scripture is taken from Hebrews chapter ten, verses sixteen to twenty-five. May this be a great encouragement to you. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. And I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, "Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body." And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is indeed approaching. The pain and the hurt of Good Friday is turning towards the joy and the abundant glory of Easter Sunday. Today, we have taken the time to reflect on our lives, to listen again to the story of the cross, to marvel at the sacrifice and embrace the painful reality of the cost that was paid. We have heard from God's word, from one another, and from our own hearts. We have prayed, repented, and been encouraged. And we have done so through Scripture, 
song, poetry, and prayers. So now we turn and face forwards. We turn towards the hope of the resurrection and the power that comes in the outpouring of God's Spirit. We turn towards God and His love, and in turn we turn towards one another through that love. We are not kept in the darkness and the emptiness of Saturday, but instead we are now welcomed into the embrace of an empty tomb and an amazed group of disciples and the wonder of a risen King. We are welcomed into being the people of the resurrection. And that is what Sunday is all about. Let me close us now in prayer. God, as we walk through this day, may we remember, beyond sin there is love inexhaustible. Beyond death there is life unimaginable. Beyond brokenness there is forgiveness incomprehensible. Beyond betrayal there is grace poured out eternally. May we remember and give thanks for the wonder of your love. Everyone says, Amen. Amen.